Okay, welcome back everybody to week three. Yep, we made it. On the Canadian Real Estate Homefront Podcast. It has a, it has a little ring to it, it I think. It has a little ring to it, I think so too. <laughs> awesome, well, hopefully you guys know who we are by now, but if not, my name is Brooke Hicks. I'm a realtor in the Halton and Hamilton areas. And I'm Cortez Neri, I'm also a realtor in the exact same areas, but <laughs> we kind of collab once a yeah. week to give you guys the best kind of, uh, I guess, media headlines mm -hmm. and we like to dissect them and try and give you the best information that we possibly can mm -hmm. so you can make better decisions for yourself. Yeah, we used to talk about all of the headline news already yeah. weekly and kind of go back and forth and be like, we just basically did a podcast and had such differing opinions on yeah. a bunch of these topics that we should do this. We should do this. <laughs> we should do this. No, but it's been a lot of fun and we've got a lot of good feedback. And a couple questions came up last time. That that was fun. Yeah, I got a Why few DMs that were pretty cool, just like talking about mm -hmm. how we were talking about how it was uh, unaffordable to live in like yeah. uh, the Toronto area. So one guy DM me saying that he moved like five hours north oh, just to yeah. live there. And then you got a good DM from someone saying like they enjoy our yeah like yeah kind of taste and stuff it's like that. cool seeing different people's insights because people are not necessarily from just our markets mm -hmm. um but people that are even somebody that's moved to canada and has now experienced a completely different than what he had expected it to be yeah. so hearing that so it's it's been cool for me too doing this just to kind yeah. of hear people's opinions on number one what i'm saying because i'm not afraid to share my political beliefs, beliefs either yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's been, it's been good. So thanks for watching. Yeah, thanks for watching. And like mm -hmm. keep sending us DMs and comments. Yeah. It yeah. obviously motivates us to keep this going. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay, let's dive into it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, obviously, the obvious topic yeah. uh, we'll start with and we'll go through it quick. Quick, yeah. Uh, Tim Macklem held the rates. Yeah. So As we, expected. Yeah, as expected. He kind of held the rates. And then right after that, we saw inflation fall to 4.3%. So it was mm -hmm. like, that was year over year. So it, like last month it was 5.2%. Mm -hmm. So quite the substantial drop. That's a pretty big drop in one in one month. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the expectations, which was yeah. it met expectation. But it okay. also, um, we should hit 3% at least by the end of the year, which is good. But what Tiff Macklin said, which I think is really important, is that although 3% seems like a, you know, yeah. a quick throw to 2%, he did say that he's probably just going to keep rates higher for the rest of the year most likely because mm -hmm. he wants to make sure he doesn't add fuel to the, in the inflation supplier. Like we, we definitely want to get back to that 2%. Although right. three is close, you don't want to see to go to three, people mm -hmm. start spending, we drop rates and then it starts shooting back up again. Right. Then we have to raise rates again and we have to like do this, yeah. you know, this crazy. Because we were reading those articles and sometimes they conflict with each other. But what he said is there is a lot of speculation, a lot of the money markets factored in that the Bank of Canada would drop rates mm -hmm. um, because of the bank failure in the States. Yeah. But he's saying, no, I'm not dropping rates. I don't want to add fuel to the market. Yeah. I think there's still speculation right now with buyers thinking by the end of the year, rates are coming down, yeah. which will make house prices go up. I want to buy now. So he's trying to curb that, ah, buy now, buy now, buy now. Yeah. So yeah. it makes think sense. If rates do come down, it's going to be like a slow grind. Yeah. 25 yeah. basis points. Yeah, very like, It's not gonna be like a fast. full, you know, 100 basis points. Yeah. We're just, you were just coming down quickly. Mm -hmm. It's, it'll be slow. It'll mm -hmm. be a transition, and mm -hmm. you know, but by I think this time next year we will see, yeah, uh, we will see a drop in, in interest rates. So and yeah. the um the bond yields back up. So when that mm. when the bond yield had fallen pretty dramatically after yeah. that bank failure, the couple bank failures in the states, the fixed rate was expected to come down, but the bond yields right right back up now. Yeah, the bond yield just rose right back up. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with 
when you listen to, you know, the people in charge, like the Bank of Canada and the right. Federal Reserve, they're just yeah. saying, like, I, I'm pretty sure Tiff Macklin bluntly said, although the, the bond yield is, you know, saying that rates will come down, although that's, that's yeah. the bet. He was like, don't expect that to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's right back up to where it was after the bank failure, because so far the bank failure feels like it was almost just like a blip in the system. Like it was, mm -hmm. almost, like it I didn't thought, really create a ripple effect. Yeah. I thought it was going to be way worse. Honestly, yeah. I was like, wow, that's bad. But so far, it seems like the contagion hasn't spread. And it's kind of stayed there. Yeah, like, could that change? Maybe. But at least mm -hmm. for now, it doesn't feel like it is. So Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of came up, and then now nobody's even talking about it anymore. Yeah, it's like, you know, yesterday's news. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's yesterday's <laughs> news. Yeah. Yeah, literally. So. Interesting. Okay, so we had to touch on that, but yeah. that was as expected. Um, yeah. Probably saw about 200 realtor posts saying Bank Canada held. So yeah. we'll quickly we'll, we'll <laughs> pass by. That. Yeah, by we, got, we got some cooler topics <laughs> to jump into next. So um, yeah, topic number two, cool one that we we liked and we read about. Mm -hmm. uh, Toronto has nearly 200 more cranes than any other major city. I have a theory that Toronto is just way slower and these cranes went up years ago and they're just still just up still up yeah we just, <laughs> just way still up. there yeah like it's a good question like does toronto take way longer to build than yeah um, i actually noticed that when i see like condo buildings in toronto they actually go up quicker than say like buildings in like burlington for example mm -hmm. like i actually noticed toronto is quicker so like yeah. are, are they slower compared to cities like right. la and different different cities like well that? there are a couple buildings that and we'll touch on this when we kind of talk more about pre-construction in a mm -hmm. little bit but there are projects that have been stalled or canceled where the crane has just been sitting there. Yeah. So are there some that are being counted that aren't are necessarily not actually adding yeah, units sure. to the market? Yeah, some of the stats here. So according to the latest crane index, there were 238 cranes across Toronto in Q1 of 2023. What an interesting job, like just going around. Yeah, yeah. how many cranes are out there? <laughs> <laughs> and it says that the mass majority were dedicated to residential construction. Uh, 139 followed by commercial construction at 35 and 33 were mixed use projects so quite a lot of cranes in the sky in toronto there's but they're building these small units yeah. so it, is this a good thing that's a very good or point. is it contributing to the missing the missing, the missing middle that yeah. we talked about yeah like who's gonna buy the every condo i see now is like a bachelor it's like 400 square feet it's scary. a two bedroom 600 square feet yeah like they just like if you look at the appliances in these units. I know too. they're they're condo size now. Yeah, the test is always like, can it fit a turkey? And it's like, there's no chance. <laughs> can it fit a turkey? Yeah, can yeah. your oven fit a turkey? I so like it. It's almost it. just like we're yeah, like the density is getting worse and worse right. in these condos. Like I saw a unit that again a bachelor. It was 323 square feet. That's insane. So essentially, the bed how they had it kind of was up against the wall and it would come down. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, I've seen some of those cool memes or videos on Instagram where the furniture raises and yeah. then the bed comes down those and the bed raises. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I would actually live in one of those. I, don't, I didn't yeah. mind that I didn't mind use of space. Yeah. Okay. Those are kind of cool, but like, I don't think you see that a lot in Toronto. No, it's not but. Very, but it's also like begs the question, like, isn't the point of like living in Toronto as like a young professional to yeah. like have people over to your house? Like, how yeah. embarrassed would you be at a 320 Let me raise you. Yeah. Do you <laughs> want to sit on my bed? Like, it would just be like, <laughs> I just feel like it, it's, there's got to be a point where it's like, yeah. who's actually going to live in this? Like, right. Like, I don't know. And then, like you said, no one's having a family and buying these units. You can't. You can't. It's not feasible. No. So like, I guess your only demographic is going to be a young professional 
or it's going to be an investor who's going to put a young professional in there mm -hmm. to rent. So I don't know. Yeah, like like all these cranes are awesome, but we always come go back to the density idea. Yeah, we they the were density. projecting 2030 Toronto skyline, and it's going to be one of the the most major. Toronto's already mm. one of the most the major cities of the world, but the skyline of what it's projected to look like is pretty substantial. Yeah, of the change the and. Change. You know, adding a certain amount of buildings to an already existing major city doesn't usually look that different, but it does look different. So it's cool to see for anybody that wants to see Toronto's skyline yeah. and the difference in, yeah. in 2030, <laughs> what they're projecting. So, Yeah, um, so just to wrap this up, you know, Toronto's staggering number of cranes is not only the highest out of the 14 cities included in the index, but outpaces second place Seattle with 51 cranes hmm. and third place Los Angeles with 47 cranes. Wow. So you have, yeah. So we're trying. We're trying, but we're just building more condos. So we're not building more density where people would have families. And I don't know if we're making housing more affordable, maybe making condos more affordable, but not mm -hmm. housing. I saw an interesting stat to go off topic a little bit is mm -hmm. that condo sales rose by 40%. I feel like Did it's the that? only entry point you can yeah. get, right? Like you have to buy a condo. And I don't mind that. And I want people to be more open to it because I agree. my condo went up a ton, Yeah. right? And people just want to go right to the house, right to the house. And I'm thinking, instead of this decrepit house with 500 grand in Hamilton that's falling apart, yeah. get into this nice condo. You can still get a two-bedroom condo in the yeah. 500s in Hamilton. You know, they were in the high sevens, eights. You know, they'll kind of raise at the same time. Same. Yeah. If it, you're by yourself or a couple. Yeah. It's personal it. preference for two, yeah. too, right? Like, yeah. if, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with living in a condo, but some people, like, I've sold those houses in Hamilton. Yeah. And I've been in them. And yeah. I personally wouldn't live there, but I know my clients love them. And they're, yeah, the no, there's nothing wrong with there's them. Nothing wrong with it them. just it's needs just, TLC. Yeah. It's just personal preference. Like, I'd rather live in a, in a condo for Me now. Too. And there's condo fees, yeah. Yeah, but everyone, thinks, everyone hates. Everyone the, hates condo hates fees. the condo yeah. fees. Yeah. That is like the biggest ripoff. The word you cannot say yeah. in real estate. But like you know what? Like you'll never have to replace your roof. You'll never yeah. have to replace an AC or a furnace. Yeah. Like obviously, there's some risk, like you know, special yeah. assessments and stuff like that. Right. But that's a story for another day. Yeah. Speaking of condos, why don't mm. we get into a little bit of pre-construction? Yeah. So even just touching back on the the cranes that are up. So there mm. has been, and this came up a couple days ago. A lot of projects recently, because this started happening a year ago, that condos started pulling the plug or mm -hmm. charging their buyers more money or um, basically, if you don't pay more money, I'll give you your deposit money back. Yeah. So I wonder how many of those cranes are out having begun a project like Nautique in Burlington. That crane's been there for, I don't know, two, three years right on Lakeshore, mm -hmm. and it's half built. So... I'm not I'm not sure necessarily what happened with their funding or what's going on with that project specifically, but there's been, I think, 20 projects that Meridian was financing, um, giving the builder the funding to do the build right. after a certain amount of sales, right? Usually a builder has to complete 80%, 70% of the sales to then get the funding from the bank to begin mm -hmm. construction, and right. they have the remainder of the time it takes to build to do the rest of their sales. So with the new market data and the market changing from when they first approached Meridian for the funding, everything's kind of changed. So now Meridian's like, whoa, whoa, you are way over leveraged or mm. now this is way more risk for us. Right. So we're pulling our funding and they just pulled it. 20 projects, pulled, 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 pulled the plug. Oh. So unless the builders can get other funding um, or Meridian gave them an option, you have to charge this much more per unit essentially yeah. or – 
make this amount more sales and pre-construction was slow and then we're pulling your funding. So I've heard a couple stories where buyers are like, I gave deposit money two years ago. I was expecting it to close next year. Now I have my deposit money back, what, 25, 50K. You know, the market's tough to get into now. Um, What do I do kind of thing? So that was the big kind of, so if, buyer you're, this if you're week. a buyer, how do you avoid being in that position where you bought something two years ago, they started the project? Oh, like, it hurts the, my heart. Yeah, how do you avoid that? Well, I think it's so important to, because I see a, every time I log on Facebook or Instagram, pre-construction ads anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anything can get you. Yeah. So sometimes a, a deal that's too good to be true is, and knowing who you're working with and who is representing the project and again, do your research with them. Do it Do it together yeah. with the realtor because there are certain buildings. I purchased pre-construction in 2020, right? Not, not a lot of this had been in talks of builders just pulling out, mm-hmm. but it is something that came up with my lawyer that um, this has happened before. So the Molinero Group are the developers of the condo building I purchased and they have had 60 years experience and they had already broken ground without the sale the so they had 80% of they had, yeah, they yeah. had their own funding their essentially. Own funding. Yeah, yeah. So a situation like that wouldn't have been able to happen. And then we look at assignment rights, uh, right to lease during occupancy. There's so many little things that as a new buyer trying to get into the market thinking deposit structure is spread out over four years. I can afford 20 K a year to throw at a pre-construction condo. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Well, the pre-construction purchase agreement alone is 30 pages yeah, probably more probably more and how quick is docusign Doc, yeah. docusign oh, you're not gonna read it you're not reading it no you know and sometimes i make all my buyers have a lawyer or use my lawyer and have a call you are knowing this contract you're gonna tell me yeah, about this <laughs> you are gonna yeah, tell yeah. me what the risks are you're gonna spend the time yeah. yeah and so now these people are out um the time value of money they get their money back so yeah. you didn't essentially lose, didn't lose but well, I guess you did. You because, did. Yeah, you could have like, you could have invested in another investment vehicle that could have yielded you money, right? Yeah. yeah. And now that the market's probably gone up since they mm-hmm. put the deposit down, they missed out on that appreciation. Yeah. So. So it's one of those avenues because we talk a lot about how the market is hard to get into, mm-hmm. but I still stand by pre-construction being a good avenue as somebody that's either on their own or a couple that you know it's tough to save a down payment. Yeah. I'm fully aware of that. Um, to get in, especially somebody that's coming out of university and, you know, I don't want to buy a house now. I'll buy something that closes in four years, throw some money at it. I think it's a really good entry point to get into the market mm-hmm. if you do it smart. You just got to do your homework. You yeah. got to do your homework. Like I'm a big advocate of price per square foot and I haven't seen a good price per square foot on any project in a very long time. Yeah. So yeah. you can get a resale condo for cheaper. Yeah. But it's the down payment, the carrying costs right now that's tough yeah i think i think the entry point to pre-construction that's so yeah. um appealing is that you just have to put like 40k down like over a certain amount of time or right. 50k down but resale it's like yeah you're literally going in you're doing yeah. the whole process you know, you're closing yeah right closing because there. there's so much more yeah, to it so much more to it and then pre-construction too you're technically supposed to be pre-approved for that purchase price to get in mm-hmm. a lot of times if people are working haven't really gone through the pre-approval process um end up getting in and just throwing money at it knowing that by the time in four years likely i'll either have my parents co-sign at that point yeah. or i'll continue with the job avenue that i've chosen and 
will likely be pre-approved then. Yeah. So it kind of helps them get into the market a little bit maybe yeah, before. Yeah. Um, not that I'm saying go buy something without a yeah. pre-approval because you're you're essentially supposed to have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even you know, my little cousin bought pre-construction. You know, parents willing to co-sign no matter what happens. Mm. But with her avenue of work not having the two-year history right now, it would be tough to get a pre-approval yeah. in four years with four years history of working full time yeah. it's way easier and we knew we had parents as co-signer mm -hmm. if there was any sort of situation with her work yeah, yeah so that that helps that helps yeah let's talk about just about pre-construction too we talked about price per square foot like what do we mean so like builders mm -hmm. usually charge a premium they didn't used to it used to be cheaper yeah, it used to kind of be cheaper than resale right that's made it with that is what that's made it so attractive yeah yeah but now they usually charge like i've seen like 40 percent premium 40 percent so premium what that means for people that don't understand is that they're charging a 40 percent premium to today's market value mm -hmm. so when you go to close on that home you need to know that yeah, i think you do need to know that that <laughs> needs to go up 40 percent in x amount yeah. of years so say it's three years like that's a lot of appreciation and then people don't understand that your unit comes and it gets appraised. So if it doesn't get appraised at that premium that you paid, you have to come up with the difference. Yeah. That's where people get stuck. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people have gotten stuck. Yeah. So it's super important to run those price per square foot numbers and mm -hmm. really understand how much appreciation you need to, yeah. to get in order to close on that property when the time comes due. Right. Yeah. So totally. If it's more expensive than what you could buy a newer condo for now, that's you know, not it's like almost like just just was that like occupancy stage. What are those going for? Because that's the best comparable I can use because it's new, same yeah. location. What are those going for and how much more am I paying for this pre-construction? Yeah, uh, because pre-construction, again, is supposed to be a cheaper price. It's, yeah. it's how it used to work. But it used to work. And a lot of people got really rich off of it. So a like, lot of people got so rich off pre-construction. Yeah, that's why it became such like this. You know, yeah. the, the crypto of housing market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I, I started in real estate as a pre-construction agent. Mm -hmm. I, for two years, only sold pre-construction. Thank God nothing has gone under yeah. with the projects that I represented. I value, I want to, I value my clients, number one, and what I represent, I need to believe in it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times if I see these projects, they'll say, oh, I'll give you 6% to sell. I don't want to touch it. I don't yeah, know. My you know clients, yeah. right? Don't give me six percent. When you're paying me six percent, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's a red flag. Yeah. But I started as a pre-construction agent, and it was a good deal when we were working on some of these projects in 2019, 2020, to the point where I think it was very quickly 11 units. It was like people were coming, and it, because it was a good deal, and I was also excited about it for them. Right. And I ended up buying. I'm like. This, this is a good deal. I'm going to buy it. And so yeah. now that it's closing, actually May May 1st is when I take possession. It, it's up and it kind of was delayed. We'll give it that. Yeah. So <laughs> most projects will be delayed. Yeah, boy, yeah, never expected to be on Never time. expected yeah. to be on time. <laughs> but it served as a really good investment. Uh, and so now all of these people that are closing on it have that over 100K in equity from mm. when we bought it. Yeah, so, which is good, yeah. Which is good. Really good. Good start. Uh, and then there's a couple different avenues. We can go talk about this all day with closing on pre-construction. Mm -hmm. If it is up in value, maybe we should talk more about pre-construction. It'll be a whole episode though. If, yeah, or, we can dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. It is a hot topic. It is People a hot topic. Yeah. And there's ways to do it that will 
you can't say 100% realtors are never supposed to say 100%. Yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> guarantee in life. There's no guarantee in life, yeah. but we'll likely give you a pretty good return on your money because, again, you're only putting forth the deposit money. Right. You know, what's what's the return on that 40K, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If it goes up 100. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, leverage money, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I believe in pre-construction, but I think some of these cranes are canceled projects i just heard 10 of them if you are listening and you're one of them i'm so sorry my heart hurt this actually it really does so but it's a learning lesson again it's just education is the foundation it should be the foundation of a client and realtor relationship 100 percent. i think that if your realtor is not providing you education there's no point of working it's it's an educational process you should learn so much so much yeah you should be like i feel like i know what Right. This guy or girl knows what they're talking yeah. about, and therefore I feel like yeah. I can make a very comfortable decision. Totally. Yeah. Mm. So I guess let's kind of move into cooling off periods. Okay. Ooh, yeah. that excites me. So there's a little something in BC. So it's a little different, but cooling off periods here uh-huh. are kind of like you speak to this a little bit more, but yeah. So yeah. I'll tell, and then you, you tell. Okay. I'll talk about BC. Got it. Yeah. So in pre-construction, another thing that. Um, is law essentially is that if you purchase pre-construction you have a 10-day cooling off period it's essentially um, when you go buy a couch you have that 10-day return period what do they call it yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. so essentially you have 10 days to cancel the contract and that's law builders have to allow that but then in residential real estate if you buy something firm Mm -hmm. that house is yours and if you don't bring forward the deposit or if you don't close that's subject to litigation yeah so the is that the same condo has the cooling off period but yeah. Low rise, like townhouses and houses, they don't have the cooling off period. Am I wrong on that? If it's pre-construction, you do. You have you 10 do days. Have it on, yeah. On my parents, too? my parents bought a okay. townhouse in Niagara and they had 10 days and they, day one, they wanted it. Day two, they didn't. Day three, they wanted it. Day <laughs> four, they didn't. <laughs> so by day 10, they, they moved forward with it. Now so it's like, a rental that's yeah, doing yeah. well for them. So I'm okay, glad cool. they stuck with it, but they could have pulled out if, if they wanted to. Okay, and so and I heard about it every second day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. It's only for pre-construction in Ontario. If you buy a house firm, that house is yours. If you buy a house conditional upon something, mm-hmm. you have that amount of days. Usually, usually five. To usually five. And usually financing and inspection. Usually financing mm-hmm. and inspection. If it's a condo that's built um, conditional upon reviewing the status certificate. Yeah, super important. Uh, that's another important <laughs> thing to talk about in condos. And, but essentially once you get your financing in order and do your inspection and you're good to go and you waive that condition, you're firm, no cooling off period. But now you're saying BC. Yeah. So BC is very progressive in the BC is always, we're always following BC. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. Like they, um, like they don't have double ending. Like there's nothing like Mm. that there. Like they got rid of that. So I heard in one part of BC, they, the realtors charge like 70 seven points on top of the sale price plus six points for commissioners something crazy i wasn't even following it i'm like what and i was thinking i'm like bc's ahead of us whatever they're doing different (laughs) yeah yeah but so basically what bc did was they actually created a cooling off period Uh to try and help like first-time home buyers and the idea is that uh, bc's rule gave buyers a three-day grace to reconsider a property purchase and that went into effect January 3rd, 2023. Oh, it is in effect. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's like... No way. It's alive right now. So the, the article said three months into BC's cooling off period... How's it going? ...has, po- has poisoning more issues. Ah. Uh, so basically uh-huh. what would happen is that if you decide to walk away, though... So there is a little bit of skin in the game. Okay. They pay 0.25%. 
of the offer amount. So for example, if it's a $2 million deal, their cancellation fee is five grand. Huh. So only if you're, if you've got $2 million to spend, your five grand is not significant. So, you know, why this hasn't been, um, great in a sense is because people think, okay, I can just put this one condition in and then I can go get an inspection done, but there's no inspection clause within the offer. Mm -hmm. So the seller can actually say, no, you're not doing an inspection. You never put it in there. Yeah. And them thinking they can go do that. So, so they think the cooling off period allows them re-entry into the house. Whereas if you're buying a house conditional on only financing, for instance, Mm in Ontario, you're not getting back in the house until you're firm yeah. or, you, or you pull out of the deal. No, 100%. Yeah. Like I'd be like, you're not coming back in here unless you remove your condition. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So yeah. So every, every buyer has that mm-hmm. opportunity now in BC. So you can actually walk away um, if you want. So why this is kind of bad too for sellers, which I know everyone's going to be like, sellers have had it so good for so long. Right. Like, but it it's frustrating because it would put you in a position where if someone gets cold feet, like yeah. you can just say, I, I don't want this. Like I got cold feet. Like you don't need to prove mm. anything. Then the seller has to go back on the market. Right. And then everyone's going to be like, well, why did it fall apart? Like what's wrong with the house? Cause you, there, yeah. it's a stigma created when totally. houses do fall through. Totally. Mm-hmm. I, I had that today. Why is this house still on the market with my question? I'm yeah. like, they've had two offers. I'm like, we have to go see it to see if maybe there's actually something wrong, but apparently it was buyer's financing twice, but yeah. she's like skeptical, almost skipping it. There's something wrong with it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. Like, it's an interesting thing. Like, will we see it in Ontario? I don't know. I don't like it. I think the conditional, uh, a condition, sorry, serves as that purpose. Mm-hmm. You're not prepared to go firm, put a condition. Yeah. Why people are going firm again now is because there's multiple offers. So yeah. essentially just, if you're going firm, you just better be prepared. And again, the realtor should also kind of know where their clients are at. Mm-hmm. I'm very skeptical putting firm offers in. I don't like doing it. No, I hate doing it. I hate doing it. Yeah, I hate it. I will do it if we're in multiple offers and I know it's, you know, pre-inspections. Let's come in before we offer on a showing. Let's bring, you know, somebody through with us. You're not mm-hmm. technically supposed to do an inspection before as a showing yeah. but somebody that knows what to look for yeah so a pre-inspection know the house look if, for mold right know, what's going on with the furnace exactly the look at the that. roof yeah so because i don't want it to fall on me and i would never push that and i actually will talk somebody out of it but if it's a matter of this is my dream house i am buying this house sometimes being firm is what the it only takes way. yeah there's there's been many markets like 2017 and, and 2022 where if you weren't firm you wouldn't have a house to buy no. So you'd be homeless. Well, this was last year. Yeah. From February, March, and part of April. I didn't do a I didn't do a yeah. conditional offer once. No. You just but we did free inspections. Yeah, you try and, and protect them as The much mortgage as you can. broker said one million percent their ratios they're, are in line good, as yeah. long as it appraises. Yeah. My comparables were a, done. Yeah, the scary thing was appraisals though. Like yeah. there was moments where I was so yeah. so worried. I hated that market. It was yeah. way too crazy. It, yeah. But speaking of like this cooling off period, like how could you actually protect buyers in a better way? Like what if, mm-hmm. let's just spitball an idea here because I always thought about this. Yeah. What if everyone had a condition on an inspection? You have to do an inspection. Yeah. If you really want to protect people, like what does right. a three day cooling off period really do? Right. Like you're buying a house. mandatory inspection. You're not buying a vacuum where you're like, oh, I should bring this back. Like you're buying a home. Like you should, you should know, yeah. like I always tell my buyers, like make sure this is like something you want to do. So right. I think the best way to protect them would actually be an inspection because during the three day cooling off period, you won't be doing an inspection. You won't be getting, you won't be getting back yeah. to the house. So the inspection is super important because like what yeah. if there's mold 
and that's extra 10 grand and you're at the max of your budget and you don't have 10 grand. Right. You're just breathing in mold. So, and because inspectors aren't regulated, which is something that I think the cities should regulate. Mm -hmm. So if we regulate inspectors in the companies and you have to obtain, you know, some sort of license to be a regulated inspector and then with the sale of your house, you have to offer an inspection yeah. and then the inspection reports are warranted by yeah. the inspectors insurance companies they mm -hmm. have to tell the truth yeah and then the seller then can go fix what they don't want to relay about the house close. yeah so actually if the seller did a pre-inspection yeah. has to be with the non-biased it's with the with the, with the, with the regulated with the inspector regulated not inspector. your buddy inspector not your buddy inspector <laughs> yeah yeah and then you provide that to everyone yeah. Um, that would be a better way to protect buyers. I don't think that's I, ever going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's just, never, it's just a dream. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot better than this three-day cooling off period. Right? I don't think Ontario is going to jump on that train. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to do anything. Maybe it would have helped last year. But this yeah. year, I know this year we're having multiple offers. Don't get me wrong. But like, mm -hmm. I'm still seeing a lot of conditions even with multiple offers. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. A lot still conditional on financing. People are quicker to drop the inspection because a seller usually is like, I don't want somebody in my house. Mm. People can make problems seem bigger than they are kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, you think of it too, like I'll go in homes and I'll be like, this is not an old home. Like I'm not, I'm not that worried. Yeah. And then they'll do an inspection. And you'll actually see something. Yeah. Like I had this huge leak mm. in, and it was a new home. It was like, I think it was done in North Oakville. Okay. Maybe Fernbrook or Madame built it. Yeah. And I remember it was like a late, we went back for our final visit. It was like a late visit or whatever. And in the garage, there was this massive pool of water. Mm. And the only reason we saw it was because um, one of the dads went in there and he was like, what's that? <laughs> oh no, I, I was hate like, that. like, what is it? Like, what's it can't that? be, like they're what's closing that? on this place in like two days. Oh like, my God. And I look in, I'm like, oh my God. So what was happening uh -oh. was the, was rain was getting in through the brick. And it, it came in and it wrecked the floor upstairs Ugh, and it was coming no. through the garage and it was just pooled every time it rained. So luckily it rained that day. Wow. Like, there might be someone up there who saved my clients because the inspector missed it because during the it inspection because it was, yeah, it didn't rain that day. And then there was wow. no water damage, I guess, at that point. So it doesn't matter how old the, old the house is, like an inspection can be super important. And we had to hold yeah. back, hold we back. held back five grand and it cost them five grand. Okay. Well, that, that's a good remedy if mm -hmm. you see something during a walkthrough, have the lawyer hold back funds yeah. until it's fixed. Until it's fixed. So an interesting thing that a home inspector told me is that he, obviously a really old home that hasn't been updated or upkept, is there's going to be issues that arise for sure. Yeah. But an older home that's been really well maintained, um, you know, replacing the furnace, just making sure you're, everything's taken care of over the years. Mm -hmm compared to a brand new home, maybe a year old, he says that the integrity of the houses built in the 1950s, let's say, a lot of these wartime Hamil Hamilton bungalows, he said they were built so much better and because they weren't slapping houses together yeah. like as quick as they can go. Yeah. They took their time, they appreciated it, it was an art to like building a house, maybe, yeah. maybe not an art, but I mean, they took way longer time with each trade and made sure things were good and even you know the size of the two by fours or whatever it is it's getting smaller and he said that the newer homes more issues come up so you think okay this house is only 10 years old it's okay he said an older home is built better it just was yeah you hear you that know. all the time yeah mm -hmm. older homes are built a lot better so 
interesting so do a home inspection even if it's a new house yeah but just an interesting or idea like if you're gonna have a, a, a forced condition i think it should be an inspection yeah to be honest especially or, recent. or have to give the buyers an inspection yeah give a report uh -huh. yeah. I do that with my listing sometimes, to be honest. When I know that my listing is going to get multiple offers, I'm getting an inspector through. I'm mm -hmm. offering the buyers, here's your inspection because yeah. I want firm offers. As yeah, a listing yeah. agent. It is a lot easier to go firm when you do have an inspection right. report. Right. Yeah. And you can trust the inspection report because, again, the, in the inspectors, they cannot lie. No, they're liable. They're liable. Yeah, yeah. They get sued. Right. Yeah. They have it's, insurance and everything. I actually mm -hmm. had, uh, so an inspection happened and everything kind of passed and there was some tips and but nothing stood out as, oh my God, that needs to be addressed now. Yeah. And then when we took possession, the water heater, the, the water wasn't going hot at all. So it was broken, the water heater. Hmm. And then it said water heater working on the inspection when I referred back. And I'm not sure if he missed it or if he, if it broke in that interim time. It wasn't that long, to be yeah. honest. But he said, okay. It said it was working in the inspection. Uh, here's the insurance company. And the insurance company paid for the replacement part that we needed for the water heater. Oh, interesting. So that's also yeah. a good good thing to have is an inspection report usually lasts 90 days. Right. So they warranty what they say for 90 days. So if they say the water heater is working today mm -hmm. and on day 89 you're in your house and you're like, crap, my water heater is not working. Yeah. But your inspection report says it does. Insurance will pay for it. Interesting. So it also could be valuable in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I always go through, I don't know about you, but I always go through like a couple of days before and just test yeah. every, I run the yeah. washer. I, yeah, I turn on your appliances. Yeah, I run all the taps. Like I know what I'm doing, but yeah. I just try. You know, like it's just like, I don't want. You just turn on want, all the taps like yeah. you're doing something. Yeah, but like I just want to make sure like, you know, the fridge is working. Like, yeah. You can just fire up the stove. Like yeah. just no headaches when, when they go so into clothes. Funny. So um, that's another little tip. Uh, you but... with your little hard hat on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure. I'll make sure everything's good. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Uh, oh my God. All right. Last kind of topic here. I thought this one was super interesting and like all of our millennial fans will, will think it's interesting too. So nine and 10 parents are helping their adult kids financially. Mm -hmm. So there's some staggering stuff in here. So almost 37% of parents with adult kids are helping with grocery costs. Almost 25% are helping with rent and 10% are helping with mortgage payments and nearly half provide random cash infusions. So I sent the um, that line to my dad today, the cash infusions. infusions. Yeah, I would <laughs> I love said, a cash infusion. I said, can you jump on the other half? Yeah. <laughs> I would love a cash infusion, whatever that means. I'm yeah. just making fun of the wording they the use. But I totally understand why. So mm -hmm. I don't see it as a bad thing if people are saying, like, hey, mom and dad who got rich on their assets. Like yeah. you said, my dad got rich by <laughs> yeah. accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if your parents are willing to help, awesome. Like, yeah, you know, no it. It, there is so yeah. no shame in it. My parents helped me with my first down payment, yeah. which I then used the equity to pay them back. But I wouldn't have been able to get to 20% back then of a down payment without, without having, some without some help. And then, yeah, again, it was it was a long short term loan that yeah, brought equity. Yeah, short term. But... You know what? If it's like if you have a job, like if you're going to the club every weekend and you're popping bottles and like you're wearing Louis no. Vuitton, like you shouldn't get help from your parents. But like if you're <laughs> no. legitimately like working, working hard, and like the right. cost of living is just like eating away at you and your savings. Yeah. Like yeah, there's nothing wrong because, with taking it. Because so my first house was seven hundred thousand. One hundred forty thousand is hard just to save. I was young. Very hard. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. So that little boost then 
got the snowball rolling. Yeah. Right. So my sisters, I think one of them did it without help, and she's all. Yeah. She's very proud. She's very proud. <laughs> she's a good saver. <laughs> so more stats from this. You know I'm a stats guy. So more stats from this article. So 6.6% of parents offering financial support was $1,000 or less. So 6.6%. So 1000 or less. Not that much. Per month or is what? Um, just I think this is just like, a, no, this is per year. So thought, this, okay. Yeah, so only 6.6%, like here's a thousand bucks sort of thing. So, so not that's love. So like most money. people are over yeah. it. Okay, okay. <laughs> like close to 25% was 1000 to 5000 so we're getting up there. So 25%. So we went from 6.6. Are you sure this is a year? It yeah, yeah, yeah. With mortgage I'm getting, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Okay. 64% said it was 5,000 to 50,000. Oh, and okay. the remainder was more than 50,000 per year. So some, who's getting 50,000 per year? <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That's a lot of so cash. So how much percentage is getting between 5,000 and 50,000 per year from their parents? What's the percentage? It was 64%. Wow. So, but that could just be like this year where like they're helping them with a the down payment. Right. So that's something to remember too. So um, basically the most common type of financial support was room and board with 47% of parents saying that they provide this. Asked for the primary reason why an adult lives at home at 39, uh, lives at home, 39% of participants picked the high cost of home ownership or renting. Mm. So I have, um, so in the interim with my condo being delayed and me having rented out my houses, I'm like, well, my calendar just got delayed. And I just agreed to these tenants. Hey, mom and dad. So I've now started taking pictures of reason number one why I live at home. Yeah. Reason number two why I live at home to be folded laundry, lasagna freshly made, yeah. the dog. The dog. Yeah, there's so many good reasons. <laughs> there's so many good reasons. But the high cost of living. The high cost of living, yeah. It's yeah. number one. Yeah, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were saving for a down payment, but one Someone commented, because it was, it was like a survey that they sent out, mm -hmm. uh, my kids could survive on their own, but we have enough to be able to help them out. Aw, cute parents. Cute. Yeah, yeah. That's so, nice. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's clear that a lot of you know millennials and Gen Zs need help in Canada right now just to survive. Yeah, it, I, so I was listening to this podcast that they talk about where prices were to now and the 40% jump from 1970s to the mid 2000s. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess if you bought, he was talking about this price per door in multiplexes mm. was 10,000 a door when this one investor bought and he owns a lot. And so 10,000 was maybe on the high side and now they're worth 40,000 a door. So that increase in where those doors cost now, it, given that same amount of years, if we continue on that same trend, they'd be worth 16 million a door. Are we ever going to get there? Probably not. Probably not. But if we continue going up in any way, is there going to be a gap where people are just renting their entire lives? Like in Europe, people, yeah. people pass on rentals, you know, Mo yeah. moms to kids, they pass on rentals and they just live out their entire lives in the rentals, mm -hmm. which that's okay. Yeah. Or home ownership. Are we going to completely see a complete discrepancy between homeownership and renters and yeah really you're one or the other if we don't hurry up and build more density then yeah i think there's going to be more renters than there are homeowners I, it's probably close right yeah. now 40 yeah. percent of canada is renting right something like that yeah so it's kind of a scary thought because but i like that parents are helping their kids because yeah. there's a lot of money in equity in canada like mm -hmm. a lot of house rich yeah. Canadians. Yeah. The retirement so. was selling the family home. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty crazy. But it yeah. is very crazy. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting article just to kind of end off on like 
how hard it is to uh, to make it work in terms of expenses. So yeah. yeah, I find that some people do find that they don't want to ask for that help. For instance, ask parents for help for the down payment. I don't want to, you know, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not. Maybe in some situations it's a little bit, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there's other options too for people. You know, okay, ask parents for help. Okay, no. There's a lot of programs with joint ventures. Okay, if I can't afford on my own and I'm a single person, mm -hmm. there's going to be another single person. Maybe, I don't just choose anybody, right? But there's programs for it that can kind of joint venture you together. So you know, giving your money to a joint venture company that will then invest in, in real estate. So then, you know, you're part owner. You're part so owner there's, of the home. There's those. And there's uh, programs like, let me think of the name. Da, 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 da. Starts with an O. Um, I don't know. Arboro. So Arboro will actually give you, uh, I think, match your down payment. Again, they'll get some equity in your house. Mm -hmm. But if it's getting you in the market, yeah. And they own a certain percentage, whatever you, you know, you better gave, to own 50 than zero. Right. Yeah. It's better to own 50% of the house than nothing. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. And then there's the government program that they will match your down payment. Um, if you put down five, they'll put down five. If you put down 10, they'll put down 10. Okay. And then essentially you have to pay that back within a certain many years and, and they're part owner. So there are programs to get people in the market. Right. I think parents help is obviously one of the biggest yeah, it's ones. Yeah, the biggest one for sure. But people don't talk about these programs, like yeah. these companies that, that help you because nobody wants to give up part of their ownership. Yeah. A joint venture is such a great idea for two, two people that can't afford on their own, come together. Maybe you don't want to live together. Things yeah. can sometimes get messy. For sure. But, you know, I think it's a strategy. Yeah, if you do your homework and you figure it out. If you do your homework, it, you yeah. figure it out. You guys both have a down payment. Mm -hmm. You're friends. You're, you know. Yeah. How do we get in the market? Because I can't do it alone. I don't have my parents' help. Yeah. Um, and I don't see myself doing this for the foreseeable future. Yeah, we should do a episode topic on this too. Even joint ventures. Yeah, how to get how to get into the market if you don't have parents' help. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's, that's a, a good, good tagline. <laughs> but yeah, there are programs, and I'm seeing more and more people talk about them. So I hope that the government and these other kind of programs that will give down payments yeah. um, continue because as much as people hate the idea of somebody owning a portion of, of their house, mm -hmm. you're paying somebody else's mortgage then yeah. or you own zero. I so I don't know. I think it's a, that's an okay option, but yeah. that's, a, that's a staggering uh, number of people that are getting between five and 50,000 from know, their parents. I know, yeah. Some rich people in Canada. Good job, baby yeah. boomers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're nicer than we all thought. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're coming around to a lot of things. The, the tough, work the hard tough baby yeah. boomers. They're all working from home now. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pajamas. Oh, that's right. so funny. You got anything else? Uh, no, that's no. all. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe and leave any comments down below. And if you're on Apple Music or Spotify, we'd love if you left us a review. We're also on Instagram and TikTok where we do mm -hmm. shorts. So if this is too long, follow us there. And yeah, please DM us and keep the comments coming. It actually we like them. really motivates us to keep doing it because like talking in front of a camera, you hope people like you, but you don't know. So. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> You're just kind of like, I hope this sticks. I'm so. still waiting for somebody to choose their favorite realtor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Choose your favorite realtor. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Thank you so Very much, good. guys. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.